You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The Manchester bombing investigation is looking closely at the bombers' networks with international cooperation. NSA says it's waging cyber war against ISIS. FireEye gives us a rundown on some EPS zero days. And the Cyber Investing Summit opened with some demonstrations of the use and abuse of misdirection in hacking. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, May 24, 2017 investigation into the Manchester terror attack continues. ISIS has of course praised the attack as an inspiration and claimed the bomber as a soldier of the caliphate. Authorities in the UK are increasingly approaching the conclusion that the attack wasn't the work of an isolated fanatic, but rather one carried out with some degree of encouragement, inspiration, and support from others. Police won't say yet whom they're looking for, but the investigation is reported to be concentrating on unraveling Abedi's network. One of the arrests made so far occurred in Libya. A counterterrorism task force took Abedi's father into custody during a raid in Tripoli. France's defense minister has pledged closer intelligence cooperation with the UK, and such an arrangement was part of President Macron's projected policies during his campaign. U.S. President Trump has also offered solidarity and collaboration. In testimony yesterday before the U.S. Senate, NSA Director Admiral Rogers said that the U.S. was conducting extensive cyber operations against ISIS, doing everything possible within the scope of existing law. What those operations are, of course, remains unspecified. Remediations for the Eternal Blue exploits used by WannaCry and other campaigns continue to appear. One notable one was announced earlier today. Security firm Ensilo released a patch it devised for one of the more significant Eternal Blue vulnerabilities. Their work closes off Esteem Audit, which had been used to exploit Windows XP and Windows Server 2003. So bravo, Ensilo. Another noteworthy patch was issued yesterday by Trend Micro, who have fixed a serious vulnerability in their server protect for Linux 3.0 product. Trend Micro offered a tip of the hat to Core Security, whose researchers found and reported the bug. Ben Reed is an analyst at FireEye EyeSight Intelligence, working on their espionage research team. They recently discovered some zero days taking advantage of a flaw in the way Microsoft software handled EPS files. He joins us to share their findings. So we found a total of three uh, vulnerabilities being exploited in the wild, sort of before patch or as zero days. 
there were two EPS vulnerabilities that allowed remote code execution, um, and there was one escalation of privilege vulnerability. So one of the EPS vulnerabilities, uh, CVE 2017-0261, um, was actually being used by two different groups. Um, one of the groups we track as Turla. They are a Russian cyber espionage group. Uh, they have been around for a long time probably up to 20 years. They're sort of one of the, the old ones on the block. And so they were using this zero day uh, to drop their signature uh, Shermi malware. And they used it against a European diplomatic target. The second group using this vulnerability uh, was an unidentified group that we hadn't seen before, but they were targeting Middle Eastern banks. Um, so they were hitting both regional banks, sort of based in the Middle East, and the Middle Eastern branches of global banks. The second set was activity by APT28, uh, people are hopefully familiar with, who are listen if you're interested enough to be listening to this podcast, <laughs> uh, you probably have heard of APT28. So they obviously associated with the hack of the DNC, uh, longtime espionage actors acti also acting in support of Russian goals. They were targeting, again, European military entities um, and diplomatic entities, so things like Ministries of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of Defense. And the sample we recovered from them actually was exploiting two different zero days. Uh, this was CVE 2017-0262 and 0263. Um, 0262 was also exploiting a vulnerability in how Microsoft Office handles EPS files, the same as 0261. Different ways they handle EPS files, so very different vulnerabilities, not linked. Um, and they also bundled that with an escalation of privilege vulnerability. So they were using two zero days in this one campaign. So. That's a lot of firepower um, in one document, so likely these were targets that were of high value to them. These are out in the wild. Um, what are the recommendations for, for making sure that people are protected against them? If you apply Microsoft's latest patch, you will be protected. Um, we worked with Microsoft uh, following responsible disclosure guidelines, so we let Microsoft know as soon as we found these. Uh, they were able to patch them quickly, um, and so this past Patch Tuesday, which I think was May 9th, uh, there were patches released, so if you install those patches, you will be protected. There are two interesting things that I, I think is worth pointing out. The first is uh, about 0261. It was used by both a nation state group and a likely financially motivated group, which tells us some interesting things about the sort of gray market and vulnerabilities. Uh, both vulnerabilities were implemented very similarly, um, where they, it looks like they sourced the vulnerability from the same place. So somebody out there is selling to both Russian government and to criminals. So it's interesting to see that both criminals have access to sort of some of the highest caliber stuff out there, but also that this vulnerability market is fluid. Um, so that's one point. And the second point is sort of refutes some of, there's been some discussion about APT28 and this is casting a little bit of a straw man, but there's been talk about that, hey, if they're this big bad Russian group, why are they using things like credential stealing that, you know, I can stand up a website that looks like Google and tell somebody to go to it. Um, but this shows that this group following the same patterns that we track, following sort of all the things that lines up with attributing to them, using two zero days in one thing. So they really can bring their fastball, but they only use these valuable things and sort of expose these vulnerabilities to being patched when they need to. If they can get in with using just credential stealing or a document with a macro, they'll do that. That's Ben Reed from FireEye. 
Taking a quick look at our CyberWire events calendar, if you're going to be in Seattle on the 1st of June, consider looking into that city's cybersecurity summit. You'll get the skinny on the latest threats and solutions from the U.S. Department of Justice, CenturyLink, Route 9B, IBM, and others. Register with promo code CyberWire50 for half off your admission. The regular price is $350, so it's a nice savings. Another conference you might be interested in meets June 19th in Fairfax, Virginia. Cybertech Fairfax will cover global cyber threats, solutions, innovations, and technologies. And if you're looking to continue your professional education in cybersecurity, did you know that the Sands Institute offers a master's degree? They do. Find out more in their free online session Tuesday, June 13th at noon Eastern Daylight Time or visit sands.edu. We spoke a minute ago of the possibility that WannaCry was misdirection for some other possibly more serious campaign. In cyberspace, the possibility of misdirection should never be dismissed out of hand. We saw some of that yesterday in New York at the second annual Cyber Investing Summit. The once notorious hacker Kevin Mitnick, now famous and much petted since turning in his black hat for a white hat and signing on with no before, gave an opening keynote in which he traced his own interest in hacking to a high school period in which he was interested in magic. We mean, of course, conjuring, like the amazing Randy, not real magic, like you see in Harry Potter. He showed the uses of misdirection in several live demonstrations. We'll just say this. If Mitnick comes within three feet of you, he's probably remotely read the various cards you carry with you to open doors. We'll have more on the Cyber Investing Summit in tomorrow's CyberWire, but until then, we've got our eye on you, Mitnick. Finally, Russian police are said to have rolled up members of the Kron gang on a beef involving the sale of the Tiny Z Android banking trojan and the Pony Forks Windows spyware. The Cyberwire heard from Alien Vault security advocate Javed Malik. He said the Android trojan in particular is a good reminder of the growing threat to mobile security, and there are things users do that render them more vulnerable than necessary like jailbreaking their phone, or downloading apps from unofficial third-party stores, or indiscriminately clicking links in unsolicited emails or SMS messages. He said, quote, Users should be wary of what permissions an app is asking for, and exercise caution where excessive permissions are being sought. End quote. Heard and noted. So don't try any of that stuff on us, Mitnick. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. (laughs) 
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. I saw an article in Naked Security that uh, was called Internet Routing Weaknesses Could Cost Bitcoin Users. What's going on here? Well, the Bitcoin protocol uh, fundamentally relies on the assumption that different users in the network are able to communicate with each other. Uh, so in particular, that's very important for the consensus mechanism that Bitcoin uses. Uh, it allows everyone to agree on a, uh, on a common view of transactions in the system. And if you can partition the network into two uh, disconnected halves, or if you can partition a user from the network, it could have serious implications for the security of uh, the Bitcoin protocol. Uh, so, so walk me through. What, what exactly would that mean from a practical point of view? Well, what they were showing here was that uh, under certain conditions, your ISP, if they were malicious, could actually induce this kind of a disconnection in the network. So, for example, they could look at things that you're trying to send if you're a, a Bitcoin miner, and they could refuse to forward those to the rest of the network, uh, or they could choose to partition the network into two halves that couldn't communicate with each other. So looking at the first case, for example, right, that would mean that uh, a Bitcoin miner that had been able to find one of these uh, proofs of work that effectively allow them to mine fresh Bitcoin uh, would not be able to communicate that with the rest of the network. And that would mean they would lose out on those Bitcoin that they had mined. So basically an ISP that really disliked or wanted to get at one particular user could, uh, in effect, make it impossible for that user to ever mine fresh Bitcoin. And so once a user got segregated, got forked from the main, uh, you know, the main fork of Bitcoin, I suppose, um, is, was, is there no way to join them back together again? So they can. I, I mean, I think actually this attack is is pretty theoretical, and for several reasons I doubt it's very practical. Mm. Uh, I think the main point is something that you're hinting at is that the user would, would certainly notice. So it might be possible for an ISP to carry out this attack, uh, although I, I think it's unlikely because uh, they would, you know, if they were ever caught doing that, it would really risk uh, a lot of business for them. But anyway, it would certainly be possible, but then the user would notice, and they would then have to switch ISPs to get reconnected to the network. So it's not something that would be um, kind of catastrophic for the user, but until they noticed, it would certainly be very damaging. The, the way Bitcoin works is that it can resolve these forks automatically when, when people reconnect, correct? Uh, that's true, uh, but but let me just say that it would be pretty bad if that disconnection went on for a long time. So just let's say that, that this went, w was going on undetected for, I don't know, let's say a two-week period. Mm. Well, eventually the network would restabilize and everybody would be able to re-agree again on a common set of transactions. But any transactions that had occurred in that two-week period might get uh, undone. So, that, so even though you could eventually recover, it would certainly be bad for the network as a whole. I see. All right. Interesting stuff. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.